Hello and welcome to Pilot Season, a podcast where we look at television pilots, some that failed, some that didn't. This week, things are getting spooky, or spooky, depending Ooh. on what you want to do. We've got ghosts, because it's Halloween, and or Halloween adjacent, and we're going to look at Mockingbird Lane. A Monsters Reimagining from 2012, featuring Portia de Rossi, Jerry O'Connell from Sliders, and Eddie Izzard from Stand-Up Comedy. I'm Patrick Brogan, and alongside me is Alan Byrne. Hello, Alan Byrne. Hello, Patrick Brogan. I'm super hyped for this Halloween episode. You are? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm wearing a Halloween costume and everything. What is the costume, Alan? I'm dressed as sexy Joey Ramone. (laughs) So you're making Joey Ramone a thing? Absolutely. Joey Ramone is a thing already. I am just perpetuating his thingness. Well, he he was a thing. Now he's an ex thing. Because, you know, he's he's dead, right? The legend lives on. (laughs) This podcast is the only podcast dedicated to the memory of Joey Ramone, apparently. I am intimately unfamiliar with the Ramones' work. You've seen the t-shirt that people wear. That's about all you need. That's all I need to know. All you really need to know is that none of their names were actually Ramon. I did know that. So I already knew all I needed to know. And hey-ho, let's go. Oh, that was them? I yeah, I know. Yes. I know, talk about the Ramones. I, I, I'm i learning <laughs> that they knew so much about the Ramones. And you, know, you know what's a lot like the Ramones? The Monsters. Yeah. That's a segue. Hey, what, what are you going to do? Is it that or I go through um, uh, all the pens on, on my desk right now, which I did during the uh, the 20 or so minutes that it took for Alan to uh, fix his, his audio setup because he had some mic problems. Um, there's a whole podcast that's never going to come out because it was just me talking about pens and trying on uh, moisturizer. There's already a pen <laughs> podcast, Patrick, and you're not that pen podcast. Aww. This week, we're going to talk about a weird, like, reimagining of the monsters, I guess. Would you call it a reimagining, or would you call it a reboot, or a remake, or a rehash? What, what, what word would you use? They all mean the same thing, but really. it, like, What kind of reboot is this? It's, 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 not a, it's, a, it's not a grim reboot, is it? I don't know. It's... It's it's uh, sort of trying to cross the monsters with the uh, Desperate Housewives black comedy sensibilities. That's what I was thinking, because I couldn't think of what the name of the show was, which was um, Desperate Housewives. Uh, I couldn't remember what the name of the show was. It's very Desperate Housewives. It is. I just, I, I just, it, that just hit, that was, came to me during the, the, the show when I was watching it, but I couldn't remember the name of the show. But this is uh, Mockingbird Lane. It is the 2012 uh, Monsters Reimagining, starring Jerry O'Connell, Portia de Rossi, and Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard is playing Grandpa Monster, because, of course, and uh, Jerry O'Connell plays Herman, uh, Portia de Rossi plays Lily. It's only I've had one episode, which makes it perfect fodder for this podcast where we sometimes do talk about things only have one episode that's the whole idea of the show if you didn't know that already 
We never actually do. We never actually do actually say what the show is when we start the that's, show. That's probably hey, an idea. Every yeah, show could be this, someone's first. It's true, and hopefully not their last. Well, or both. Um, who knows? Yes, this is a show where we talk about TV pilots. In case you haven't guessed, but the name of the show being called Pilot Season. We're not good at hosting podcasts, even about 50 episodes in, or whatever how many episodes this is. I don't count anymore. Uh, I think this is number 36. Close enough to 50. Actually, before we jump in, Alan, how familiar are you with the monsters beyond Mockingbird Lane? Not super familiar. No? No, no. I asked myself this question before I started watching Mockingbird Lane, and most of the times I thought of the monsters, I was thinking of the Adams Family. Yes, which makes sense, I guess. I'm, in my case, and I've said this to you off podcast, I remember the monsters today. Yes, I know I've watched the monsters today, and I know I've seen black and white episodes of the monsters, but the Adams Family kind of overwrites all of that because... It was more ubiquitous when we were growing up. There was the, the live action series that came out. There were the two yeah. uh, movies. There was the, the animated series. It was all Adam, Adam's yeah. Family all the time. And this kind of has Adam's Family flavors to it, really, which I think I'll get to and I'll get to later on in the podcast. Because I kind of, I think I remember the months just a bit better. Probably not much better than you, but be a little bit better, because I definitely remember watching both that and The Addams Family a lot, the old black and white reruns of, of the shows. From my recollection of the monsters, and if there's a listener who wants to correct me on this, then they can, it was kind of like, like the monsters were just, they were just sort of like monsters, but they acted, they just generally acted like normal people like a normal family like the adams family was more about being kind of a weird family with uh sort of horror-ish trimmings i don't know really should explain this the adams family i always felt were were kind of a creepy human looking family but the monsters were a non-human looking family that were actually just sort of normal that's my recollection of the, of, um, of the show. Anyway. Yeah, that seems to be the major difference. The Monsters were a monster family that had a normal sitcom life. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say in all those words that I just couldn't quite get my head around it. And the Adams Family were a normal sitcom that had monsters in it. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think in the Adams Family, there was definitely more of a sense of these people are... of, of the, they, they kind of played up the fact that the Adams Family were... Ghoulish. Were weird, yeah, and they were ghoulish and weird. Uh, whereas the the monsters were sort of more of a regular sitcom family that happened to be monsters apart from Marilyn. They were neither mysterious nor kooky. No, neither were they ooky, and they didn't have a a, a butler. What I liked about the Adams family too is that they didn't actually have any names until the series was made. <laughs> then then they made them then they gave them names because of the. The guy, uh, they, didn't, they didn't have a name at all. Um, the guy who created them, sister name was Adams. Adams. Yeah, and then that's how they got their name. Anyway, the Adams family is a different story for a different day. And actually, 
I prefer the Adams family in general to the monsters. Yeah, me me too. Well, obviously, seeing as they're they're the ones I remember the most. I just a concept. I think they're they're better. The monsters just felt always to me felt like a B grade sort of spin on the same idea, really. And what was it? What was it with American sitcoms? And what was it? I feel like the Adams Family and the Monsters were almost uh, contemporary. Contemporary. In they were of, uh, when they were uh, on the... TV. Let's have a look at that. Because um, what was it with TV in that period? Like, what was it, the 60s, maybe? 50s? Uh, the Adams Family ran from 64 to 66, and the Monsters also ran from 64 to 66. What was, it with that? what was it with that time period and these kinds of shows? They started within was... a week of each other. Wow. Like, what, what was in the water in 1964 that made people want to watch um, these kinds of shows? Maybe it was down to the whole, um, I don't know, the 60s. I'm, I'm trying to think of what. I can't off the top of my head think of what reason that might, you might have for that becoming a thing other than, I don't know, B-movies? I, I don't know. I'm just throwing that off the top of my head. I don't know. But in 2012, we got a reimagining of the monsters, and it begins with a campfire and an argument about whether the fat kid's been stealing the food. And it turns out it was a bear. But it's not a bear. It's Eddie Munster. And Eddie Munster, as a werewolf, is basically ravages the entire camp. Now, I'm not entirely sure if Eddie did eat the breakfast, because there was that photograph of the fat kid eating all the breakfast. Well, Eddie certainly eats something, and it's probably a Cub Scout or two. <laughs> this, uh, this sort of tells you what direction the show is going to go in, because it's kind of dark, but also... They're going for, for jokes. It's dark comedy. Mm. From the get-go. From the get-go. Although the, the, the werewolf looks pretty crap. As most of the CG does, really. I kind of like the CG, actually. No, I, I don't think you, really... you can really strive for realism when you're doing stuff like vampires and werewolves. No. So you but... should probably go for stylized instead. I still felt like it looked kind of cheap. Just, 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 I didn't like it. Well, it was for TV. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll grant you that, Alan. Okay, that was a pre-credit sequence, and the credits are really just a little title card that says Mockingbird Lane in a nice little swirly background font thingy. Which you'll probably see on the image thumbnail. Probably not, because, yes, because that that's kind of how we do things around here. Um... <laughs> Um, we open the episode proper with uh, Marilyn appears to be house hunting. The realtor brings her to 312 Mockingbird Lane, which is a really a normal looking house. And then, but no, she wants the, the murder house across the street. The hobo murder house. The hobo murder house. The house where man murdered hobos. The, the realtor here could not try and not sell this house any harder than he does it's not for sale there's dozens of graves in there <laughs> maybe you could buy it after it's cleansed and Marilyn says that her aunt and uncle would prefer it pre-cleansed 
reminds me of reading a story the other week on like on Vice um, about an actual house where a murder took place that still sort of has been left somewhere in Los Angeles. I can't remember what the murder was. There's, a, there's actually a few places like that apparently around LA uh, where just yeah. stuff happens and actual houses are just left for years as they were. Would you buy a murder house, Patrick? Um, depends who's murder. Yours. Well then, I wouldn't be buying it there. I wouldn't be buying it as a murder house and just buying it as a house because I wouldn't know my... That's the twist, though. The twist is that it was your house all along. (laughs) It was built on an ancient Indian burial ground. And your death. Um, (laughs) And also aliens. Ooh, it's all... It's all coming out here. None of this happens in this episode at all. No aliens, no mur- no, no, no Indian burial ground, just Jerry O'Connell. There's a really nice visual gag here when they introduce Jerry O'Connell as Herman. Yeah, I love that, actually. That was really cool. That's like a pot plant thing behind him, and it makes it look like he has bolts in his neck, and he looks he has the whole sort of Frankenstein's monster silhouette. And then he walks in, out of the shadow into the light, and it's just Jerry O'Connell. With some scars. With some scars. Yeah, because the, the, we could talk about the, the this is probably there are some differences in the how they present the monsters to um, how they were originally presented, and Jerry O'Connell is is one of the main ones in that his Herman is a new take on Herman. He's a regular looking guy, apart from the fact he has a few visible scars all around him, and he has a big zip in his chest where his heart lives. And that's the worst part of the episode. I'll get that, that in a minute. And Eddie isn't... I'll let, you, I'll, let you, I'll let you go through what the family looks like, Alan, in terms of differences. Well, we go through them as they're introduced. So we've already met Marilyn, and Marilyn is the normal one. And yeah. she's just a regular early 20s woman. Blonde hair. Doesn't look as much like Mar- Marilyn Monroe as 50s Marilyn did, or 60s Marilyn did, because, you know, that's not trendy anymore. Jerry O'Connell, we've already gone through as Herman. Uh, Eddie is always wearing a scout uniform for the entire episode. He just loves scouting. Yeah, he wears it to school and everything. And he's just a regular looking kid. Yeah, unlike, unlike Eddie in the original where Eddie was quite clearly a werewolf. Yeah, he had the hair and everything. This Eddie is just a regular looking kid who suddenly has become, started becoming a werewolf. Because puberty. I think is what they're implying in the episode. Yep. Also, also this kid is a good actor. He is, yeah. Uh, he was in Spy Kids, apparently. That, that's a mark of quality if I've ever heard one. Hey, that's a Robert Rodriguez movie. <laughs> There's a basic level of competency involved there. You mean Guillermo del Toro? No, no. I mean Benicio del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> Joke from After Last Week's podcast. <laughs> Patrick has no idea which Mexican actor or director is which. No, I just thought that um, Danny Trejo looked more like a you know a, a guy who should be called Benicio del Toro. <laughs> I prefer my story it... because it makes you sound like a racist. <laughs> I was giving a, a guy who looks like a badass and more badass name than Danny. <laughs> Sorry, Danny's out there. He doesn't need a, a, a badass actual name. He's got a great nickname, Machete. 
think he also plays a character called Badass. <laughs> so. Danny Trejo doesn't need a name to make him intimidating. <laughs> is the lesson here. And that was the, the Danny Trejo corner of this podcast. Where were we? Oh, yeah. So Eddie, Eddie Munster is just a kid, really, with no m- monstery features. Grandpa. Grandpa, of course, is... Uh, is how Eddie Izzard. Describe, you know, apart from being Eddie Izzard, how else would you describe <laughs> him? He's... Uh, he's got some makeup on the face that kind of adds ridges around the cheeks or something like that. It, it's, it is very hard to describe. It, where I, you know, just saying, go look at a picture of Eddie Izzard in, in his Grandpa Monster makeup because... He's very clearly wearing a lot of makeup. He's got a widow's peak. Yeah. And sometimes has fangs, depending. He tends to go for a slightly more modern outfit than you usually associate with Dracula. It's uh, red suits and uh, waistcoats and shirts. Very classy. Yeah. They're kind of... He's, he's, he wears a lot of um, tinted glasses as well. He's, they, they give the sort of... He's sort of a suave... Was suave even though he's not really a suave character? I don't know. Is he? Maybe. A well-dressed elderly gentleman. Yes. But not not in a... But not like... He's not, he's not overly sort of... Overly well-dressed. Just sort of... It's hard to describe, actually. It's just slightly off being overdressed. Yeah. There's a, a little touch of flair to, to the outfits to kind of show off. Because, you know, you, you do have Eddie Izzard here. <laughs> He's yeah. a stylish guy. Yeah. It, the makeup sometimes looks, really, sometimes looks really bad. Yeah. I found. It looks really... It really depends. There, there are certain scenes when it looks good. It's really lighting dependent, I think. Yeah, it's very much dependent on... There's some of the scenes that I later in, like, the scout den or whatever, where it looks really bad. And some yeah, any time he's in a situation where there's natural lighting, and he, it, he yeah. it's not in the daytime when he's going around with a, an umbrella over his head, so there's a bit of shade there, he he looks weird. Yeah. Also, he's introduced naked, and that, that weird ridging only goes down as far as his neck. Yes, that's true. Uh, both um, Eddie Izzard and Portia de Rossi are introduced uh, naked because um, they are delivered to the house in uh, crates. In moving trucks. In moving trucks in crates uh, by, by some um, some uh, Latino or Hispanic um, Neighbors. movers who uh, who drop the when they see is it when they see the rats coming out of the thing they drop. Yeah, they they drop one of the boxes and rats start coming out and then they yeah. flee. And the rats form uh, Grandpa. And the other box has a load of mist in it and that forms Lily and then uh, she gets a lot of spiders to sew her dress and a spider silk. Which is the coolest visual in the entire thing. Yeah, that, that that's really striking. That was an incredibly cool visual. Other than that, really, a, a Lily monster in this is sort of Meh, but uh, yeah, I was, I was disappointed in, in in Lily Monster because she's played by Portia de Rossi, and I was really hoping for Arrested Development Portia de Rossi. It's a very it's a very bland character for the most part. 
yeah, she's not given enough for Portia de Rossi to actually work with. If anything, Jerry O'Connell and Portia de Rossi have the least to work with. In fact, I think Jerry O'Connell has the worst stuff to work with because, well, Herman's plot the whole thing is that his heart, his heart is the only part of him that's actually the real him and he's wearing it out because he, quote-unquote, loves too hard and at one point his heart breaks. Actually, when his heart breaks, they play um, I Think I Need a New Heart by the Magnetic Fields, <laughs> which was a, a nice moment. Also, the, I've been on a big Magnetic Fields kick in the last like two or three weeks, so that was cool. But uh, it's from the album 69 Love Songs, which is literally 69 love songs. It's like three CDs. <laughs> um, it was just a, a cool little uh, use of song. I, I mean, it was kind of out of nowhere, but it was... I appreciated it because I liked that album. This whole plotline, the uh, Herman loves too much and it's killing him thing, is very Brian Fuller. So we should probably talk a minute for, about Brian Fuller, I suppose. Uh, okay. Brian Fuller is a, an American producer. He has created a load of uh, TV shows that have had cult success, is the best way of putting it. Uh, he created, among other things, uh, a TV show I really liked called Wonderfalls, which is another thing I watched on that black and white TV I had back in college. Um, and uh, most notably, Pushing Daisies, uh, which you might remember as being a story uh, about a guy who can bring people back to life and then investigate their, their, their deaths. But also being incredibly sentimental and using music all the time. I did know that was a plot of the show. Oh, well, Pushing Daisies is brilliant and I love it. it it's got uh, this weird mix of noir and 1950s everything is perfect going on in it. It's, uh, it's got uh, Lee Pace, who's in a very different role to his major Hollywood role as uh, Ronan the Accuser in Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, Chi McBride is in it as well. It, 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 I can't stress enough. Pushing Daisies is brilliant. I'd heard of it, but I never actually knew what it was about. But I think the whole the way they would do this whole Herman needs a new heart thing, or or the more like a, you love too hard is just it's awful. I hate it. <laughs> And I like Jerry O'Connell, and he's a very funny guy, and he's a good actor, and I love Sliders, but this is crap. This is the thing. I don't think Jerry O'Connell can do Brian Fuller stuff. Brian Fuller's uh, work tends to be uh, this mix of uh, macabre and saccharine that Pushing Daisies did really well, and Mockingbird Lane doesn't hit. Yeah. I can kind of see that um, when uh, Herman collapses, he, Grandpa brings him back to life using um, a lightning uh, rod. Eddie sets up a lightning rod, runs along the the roof, and hides. And the lightning bolt hits it and revives Herman, who whom he's given like like a mechanical heart. But Herman complains and says he wants his actual heart because it's the last last original piece of him that's, that's left. Grandpa warns him that he's going to have to get a new heart soon and 
Yeah, and he should tell Eddie that he's going to be a werewolf, that he's actually a, a werewolf, because Eddie doesn't know that he is a werewolf, and he's been attacking all these, uh, apparently been ruining so many cub or scouts or whatever, woodland scouts or whatever the, the thing is. So many woodland scout troops have been have been uh, uh, attacked by uh, werewolf Eddie recently that they've had to move. There's a, a great bit where uh, where Herman is explaining that the bear attacked the group and uh, left him naked in the woods. Uh, and Eddie's worried if it's going to happen again. And he says, mm, about 29 days. That's how long <laughs> it takes a bear to re- regroup. <laughs> only, a baby, only a baby bear, not a fully grown bear. Um, yes, a fully grown bear regroups in a couple of days. In... Um... It's very from this point on we get quite a lot of Grandpa Monster, and this is probably the best part of the show. Eddie Izzard is fantastic in everything he does. Yes, just Eddie Izzard being a, an old vampire who's who wants to go and eat people is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the the first bit of this is as uh, they go into the woods. Oh, no, no, the, before that, sh- sorry. The first bit of this is that um, uh, Grandpa is outside with Marilyn uh, and he's talking about how he preferred it when the village was further away and that the, and the house had a moat. And Marilyn said that, that the best moat is built with good intentions and congeniality. So he decides to go bake cookies for all the neighbours. Which he he puts his own blood into so that he can make himself some slaves. <laughs> he goes to uh, the first set of neighbours Tim and Marie Marie is uh, a woman who, in a wheelchair and uh, she instantly dislikes them because they've moved into the hobo serial killer house do you think with her they were going to go for some sort of Jimmy Stewart in um... oh blanking on the film name now that film where Jimmy, that Hitchcock movie where Jimmy Stewart's in, in a rear window. Rear window. They're gonna go for a, a rear rear window thing with her eventually, where she's like watching everything they do and and talking about how weird they are, but no one believes her. Yeah, Isn't absolutely. Something like that, because that's that that looked like it was completely nailed on to what the rest of the show was gonna be, but instead her husband eats one of the cookies and becomes uh, Grandpa's blood slave. He even says they're bloody good, aren't they? <laughs> and okay. he is already having fun. He has some good lines, some great lines in this. And there's a whole section in the next like twelve, fifteen minutes, which is a lot of Grandpa Monster, and so good. He talks about how he's going to start drinking again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because Eddie isn't uh, normal. Yes. He'd been, he'd been not drinking because <laughs> they didn't want to, uh, to ruin Eddie, but seeing as he's a werewolf, he's, Marlon's just going to have to live with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause also when um, they go to the... They bring Eddie to a, a, new, a new Cub Scout troop. Um, I forget what they actually called him in the episode, but... Uh, the Wildlife Pack. Yeah. That. Because the Boy Scouts of America are litigious probably. probably I'm not sure but it never seems to be the Boy Scouts of America in in TV shows it's always some other thing 
Yeah, I don't know why that is. I, I, I assume it's down to rights or something. Or maybe there's they just don't want them. Maybe it's probably rights or just libel or something stupid. They, yeah, they, they bring him to the, to the, I'm going to call them the scouts, the scout yeah. place. And uh, they, uh, the, the leader introduces himself to both uh, Herman and Grandpa. Um, and the cool thing about about every time they introduce Grandpa is like this is um, Eddie's Grandpa, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you can't go around calling him Dracula. <laughs> well, his name is Sam Dracula. That's the character's real name. Yeah, and he he says to to the neighbors earlier, "Call me D." Oh, the cookies are in a D shape, or are, are, are little D's as well. Mm. He's all about the branding. He's, he's he's giving people his D, um, <laughs> uh, and when uh, he goes, when Stephen, the leader, scout leader, goes to shake hands with uh, with Grandpa, he just he just flat, flatly looks at him and says, "I have a disease." <laughs> <laughs> with with that makeup in that scene, you can very easily believe that Eddie Izzard has a disease. <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Um, it's then we get the oh before that as well. Grandpa identifies Stephen the scout leader as a potential heart transplant candidate for Herman because uh, when Lily enters the scout hut or whatever it's called, Stephen's Den? heart skips a beat. Hmm. Den. I, I think they're called dens. Okay. From what I remember. Yeah. Uh, his heart skips a beat. And uh, it's then that we see Grandpa and Marilyn talking about the circle of life and uh, Eddie Izzard eats a lion. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, Grandpa has brought Eddie out to teach him about the circle of life and Marilyn has come along to uh, be the conscience of the scene. <laughs> Marilyn's a really interesting character, actually. That appears to be her job. Her, her job is to try and rein in Grandpa. And sometimes she's better at it than others. Yeah. There's a whole Lion King thing going on here. There's a whole Lion King where they're in a hut and there's a deer nearby and they're talking about the circle of life and Marlon's talking about how some deer can have long and fulfilling lives. Will this deer have? No. It immediately gets eaten by a lion. <laughs> And then Eddie starts to wonder what eats lions. Yes. And they say, Grandpa. And, and the answer is, Grandpa, as a big winged demon. Yes. And he eats a lion. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads to, to, to a, uh, um, a great line later on in the, in the thing that is uh, when Eddie is telling Lily about this. And he says, uh, there's something wrong with Grandpa. Uh, he took off all his clothes and he ate a, and he ate a deer. <laughs> a lion. <laughs> <laughs> to which I think, and then later in the same episode, uh, Grandpa has a, has, a, has a tort to the um, the naked eating to thing, being naked the, bit. The, the being naked bit. That well, the lion was naked too, so <laughs> he felt it was <laughs> it's fair. Only polite. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, Eddie is the is unsurprisingly the best thing here, by far. He is, and oh, probably yeah. the kid playing playing Eddie because they are. Both actually really funny. Um, mm. 
It's only when Jerry O'Connell comes back that it kind of loses a bit of something because Jerry O'Connell goes to complain about the to to do Grandpa who is sitting in a sun lounger watching his new blood slave paint the house <laughs> with, with a pair of cookies beside him. Then um, all of something's going on with Eddie and um, the heart thing and the guy who is now his Grandpa's slave falls off the thing and. He's a perfectly good heart, but uh, Herman calls an ambulance and saves him. Not before Grandpa has uh, a fantastic just, scene with Marie. <laughs> an absolutely fantastic scene of just just being horrible to this woman when she thinks her husband is dead. Well, he starts out, but he thinks that she's one of his blood slaves. So he's trying to get her to forget about the whole thing so that they can steal the heart out of Tim. Yeah. But uh, it turn it, it so he says uh, when you look at these kind of things like death, you realize it's not a big deal. But it turns out Marie is gluten free. <laughs> uh, but this doesn't stop Grandma or Grandpa at all. No. He. he, he he starts comparing it to a Greek tragedy. Yeah, Agamemnon go- fell from a he's ladder. Going- yes, this is what's going on about Agamemnon. It's not just Agamemnon. I was going to say that. <laughs> um, the, the guy survives anyway, and the perfectly good heart is, 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 no, is no longer available. So Grandpa does probably the, the next best thing he could do. He invites Steve over for dinner. He invites Steve over to uh, open up his chest. Heart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, to apparently because Grandpa wants to wants to sell Steve on the idea of um, basically just taking over from Lily when volunteering to marry Lily, I guess, or date Lily once Herman inevitably dies. <laughs> Grandpa's just evil. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not entirely sure if that's Grandpa's plan or if his plan is to get Steve to volunteer his heart for Herman. <laughs> I think it's all just a ruse for Grandpa to uh, drink, uh, to desanguinate, as uh, mm. Herman says, um, Steve, and then take the heart, because I don't think it really matters to Grandpa at all. <laughs> He's very amoral. Incredibly. He's mostly in it for the blood. Yes, incredibly. And to teach um, Eddie a new word. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Grandpa subtly prized for information about Steve possibly telling people he was coming over <laughs> and whether he has any relatives. <laughs> no, on both counts. Perfect. <laughs> this murder can go ahead. Yeah. Steve's wife died. Yes. And she was cremated and entombed. <laughs> so she's old school. Exactly. And um, Barony didn't tell anyone that he was bringing Steve over because they put him in the, they, they bring him to, he brings him to the dinner table and everyone's just kind of like, oh, whoa, Steve's here. Surprise. <laughs> And Lily sends something is up, and so does Marilyn, because the, the, the only four people who know about the plan actually are Herman and Grandpa. And um, Eddie kind of figures it out eventually, too. Uh, yeah, Marilyn spends the dinner conversation trying to steer Steve towards topics of life is really worth living, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's Lily who takes Herman aside to ask him what's going on and they take him down. Actually, we should have mentioned way back at the start of the episode 
as in as in the monsters original, there is a special stair- a secret passageway under the staircase, and uh, this is important because it comes up in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> because that's where Lily and Herman go to have their conversation. Yes, um, is it? Oh yeah, it is. It looks like a smaller place because I know in the actual in in the old monsters mm. that was the pathway down to Grandpa's like lab. Or I think they're they're just hiding in the uh, in the passageway. They haven't gone into the lab. Oh, okay. Because the lab shows up later. Yeah, and they um, Herman basically confesses everything straight away to Lily. Yeah, Herman. Yes, uh... Her, that's that's actually really nice that Herman cannot lie to Lily. <laughs> <laughs> He's completely upfront about it. Why is he here? Uh, uh, well, uh, Grandpa wants to have his blood and I was going to take his heart. <laughs> Will it happen in the dining room tonight? I'm not sure if I don't know is the answer you're looking for. Yeah, that was a good, that was actually not a nice little bit. But, uh, that was probably the best yeah, Herman bit in the entire episode. That, that is probably the scene where Herman's character works. Yeah, I think so. But... When they get back to this to the dining room, uh, Eddie basically just turns to Stephen and says, "My grandpa's going to drink your blood." Yeah, uh, after he's declared that he won't eat meat. Yeah, which is a thing from the original series as well that Eddie, uh, Eddie is a vegetarian. vegetarian. Yeah, and and Marilyn asks if if it's happening tonight. Oh yeah, she she knew this was going to happen. She didn't know it was going to happen so fast. <laughs> And they basically they, they they Herman and Lily return and they ask Stephen to leave politely and uh, Marilyn sort of tries to drag Stephen out the door but they're confronted by Grandpa who's transformed into a weird pink bat because that's what his vampiric form or his non-human form looks like apparently. And Marilyn says that this is not how you treat company. <laughs> and then she accidentally pushes him down the. Uh, Push Steve down the uh, stairway, the secret stairway passage, and uh, whoops, Steve is dead. Yes, it's a lot of stairs. As was established earlier, when Eddie drops the thing down the stairs, and we missed that bit. But uh, so Steve is dead, and Herman explains that Ed, Eddie is actually a werewolf, and then the kid has a good scene mm. about um, you know, I don't want to be a werewolf, and it's all poop, and Herman has Herman's heart breaks. Luckily, they've got a corpse with a perfectly good heart. And Eddie Izzard become, drinks the blood and becomes a super young grandpa and dances around to some muddy waters. Bad to the bones, specifically. No, it's not bad to the bones. Manish boy. Oh, I thought I heard bad to the bone in there somewhere. No, it's Manish boy. Okay, I will bow to your, your music knowledge. <laughs> he said, it, it says in the thing, I'm a Manish boy. <laughs> And Bad to the Bone wasn't a Muddy Waters song. I'm not good at music, Patrick. <laughs> I, 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 I came here to have fun, and I'm honestly feeling very attacked right now. <laughs> I, I, this, this, what, what, if anything, this show has, uh, has played to my uh, musical tastes, so uh, that's okay. <laughs> um, and the show ends with um, Herman and Lily giving Eddie a pet dragon. To watch over him when, when, uh, when he's a werewolf. Like how some kids have dogs to look after them when they have athletic fits. Yeah. Which is, again, the uh, child actor, the kid playing Eddie, has a good line there about, uh, about how they're, they're trying to 
make it sound like him being aware of isn't a bad idea. He isn't too bad. He says, well, this is kind of like telling someone in a wheelchair that uh, being in a wheelchair looks fun. <laughs> and it pretty much ends there. Um, uh, I, you know, I liked this idea for a show better when it was called The Adams Family. Yeah. Because uh, there's lots of Adams Family stuff in this. It doesn't completely work, does it? No, it's... The Monsters wasn't dark. I think we said at the beginning, we touched on that at the beginning, that the Monsters was uh, a regular sitcom family that happened to be monsters. And for darkness, for dark humour like that, mm. the Adams Family works and is there and already exists. And they didn't need, you don't... So well, the problem is that NBC don't own the, the Adams Family; they own the Monsters. The problem is the Monsters doesn't work like this. Uh, it just it just doesn't. It's it's like Herman is bland, Lily is bland, Marilyn's Marilyn's fine. It's Grandpa and Eddie that are the real, you know, real carriers of this whole thing. Yeah, um, I really would have liked to see Mar- Marilyn in, in it more. It feels like they didn't have a plot for her, but I I, I really like the idea of Marilyn as uh, as the conscience of the family. I feel like in in the original, from my memory anyway, that Marilyn the kind of you kind of had the the thing that Marilyn was the normal one and did all the normal teenage stuff, and sort of had to deal with having a family that was not normal. But here she seems totally into the, the. Again, anyone listening can correct me if if I'm wrong because it's been about a good decade plus since I've seen any monsters. But here she seems well. She seems kind of into it. She seems kind of um, to again lean on the Adams family thing, like you know Morticia Adams almost totally into this whole this whole kind of creepy, kind of gothicy lifestyle. It's a weird dichotomy going on there where she's absolutely accepting of everything that's going on but she doesn't want the evil stuff happening yeah uh, and it it i find that really intriguing and i think that there, there's a lot of depth you can go into with that that kind of character and naturally again i think herman or her, her grandpa and marilyn and even in the original series had sort of were characters that were sort of linked and here as well, they are, and the, the characters work. Like they bounce off really mm. well. Eddie, as we've been saying through the whole episode, Eddie Izzard was is fantastic in this. Yes, I, I think we made that quite clear. We did, but it just so falls apart with the whole. Oh, I'm Herman. I need a new heart. My heart is breaking. Yeah. You love too much, Herman. Um, I think the problem there is Jerry O'Connell can't do that kind of character. It comes across as, as really schlocky. There are actors who can make schlocky stuff like that work, and Jerry O'Connell is not that actor. And uh, uh, I th- think that Herman probably e- either should have been written more to Jerry O'Connell's strengths, mm. or they should have cast someone else. I'm a bit difficult when Jerry O'Connell produced it. <laughs> yes, that's a problem. <laughs> um... So... So rewrite Herman would be the option there. Yeah. Um. Um. I think there's a mismatch of tone here as well. 
Mm-hmm. It, sometimes it really works well together and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And apparently there was a lot of uh, conflict in the production of this between um, Brian Fuller and the director, Brian Singer. Brian Fight. Mm. Uh, which I can see Brian Singer t- tends to go for a more realistic take on it. Like, like he famously did that with the X-Men. He He took Marvel's most confusing and convoluted team of superheroes uh, and whittled it down to uh, something a lot more grounded. Yeah. But uh, Brian Fuller's sensibilities tend to go for uh, strange and wonderful uh, and it's it doesn't combine. No. It's, I can see what you what, what you kind of what you're getting at there and there's like it just it just doesn't really work. It's not far no. off working though. No, no, but that's what honestly I I think you change what you change up the Herman, like we said, a little bit. Like I I the heart thing was just so schlocky. Um I I, I kinda like that because I attachment to Brian Fuller's stuff, but yeah, I can see that. It, it it doesn't work with Jerry O'Connell. Um, well, the problem that we have, this show has, is that the Adams Family kind of already did this and did it better. And you know, the Adams Family films are are there and are essentially this done way 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 better <laughs> yeah at a certain point it it stops being the monsters and uh well much as we liked eddie Izzard's grandpa monster or he's uh, not grandpa monster back, he's not grandpa monster uh grandpa monster was a crazy inventor guy who lived in the basement but was really kind yeah uh, and Eddie Hazard is playing pretty much the opposite of that. None of them are really, you know, the mon- they're, they're not the monsters because they're not, you know, Jerry O'Connell is not playing Herman Munster. He's playing a sort of, I don't know, he's, he's, he's they're not, they, they aren't, it, it's not the monsters. It just, it just isn't the monsters. There's no other way of really saying it. Like, they're, they're just... They're just characters with those names, but they aren't the characters. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily bad. The, it, there are reboots that have done stuff like that. The the, the most prominent ones probably uh, the 2004 Battlestar Galactica, which pretty much just took the premise and the names of some characters and uh, created a fantastic story out of it. That was completely Completely different in tone from the the original AC series. I just I can't really speak for the Battlestar remake because I never watched it. I only I've only ever seen the original um, and Space Mutiny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is just, this is just. I think the monsters has to be kind of a. a, a goofy you take on kind of a traditional family with a sort of with a not with 
but they're monsters. You can't, you can't, you can't darken it. It's meant to be a light show, or it's the premise of the monsters. It was was that it was light, and yeah. the the Adams family was the one you can kind of you can kind of get with the dark edge of the Adams family a bit more. I think that, I think with the monsters, the monsters was kind of like cartoony. I've always felt. It's weird they never got a cartoon, isn't it? Yeah. The Adams Family got the cartoons. <laughs> because, well, frankly, the Adams Family was better. Like, the Adams Family is, a, is an entirely better uh, show and better franchise. Uh, which, you know, this is what Mockingbird Lane just, just. I can't tell whether it was good or. It was good in bits. It was. Poor and others, I think is is is, is a, my review of it really. Yeah, yeah. The, there's there was potential there. I I can see why it, it didn't go to pilot uh, or didn't go to series. Yeah. Um and um, what we've been saying is pretty much what NBC said as well. That uh the mix wasn't right. Um, the the mix between the, the the comedy and the family and the. And everything just, just, it doesn't quite work. Uh, now a show about um, old vampire Eddie Izzard and his his niece. Yes, that was, watch that in a heartbeat. Damn right. Um, but this was just like not so much. So let's try and rank this thing because um, I think we've we've exhausted all of our opinions on it. Okay. I'm looking around the mid-table again. Yeah? Because I don't think this is bottom of the list back. I wouldn't say that. I think if you, if it didn't, if it wasn't for um, Grandpa and and Eddie... It, it would go it down would go that, down far, that yeah. far, because it would have been so bland. Right, so, seeing as it's better than bland, that puts it above Clarissa <laughs> now. Our... <laughs> our as usual, the marker of all things bland. Yes. It's nice that we have touchstones like this. It is. Let's jump up a few. Okay. The Big Bang Theory. Is it better or worse than the original pilot of The Big Bang Theory? Hmm. It's funnier in parts than the pilot of The Big Bang Theory. This is true. The Eddie Izzard scenes are... The Eddie Izzard scenes take it definitely, I think, above a lot of the stuff in the middle of the pack. Um, Paul, I, I, I'm struggling to remember the pilot of the Big Bang Theory at this point, um, because it was just, it was just the Big Bang Theory with some different actors and slightly cruder jokes. Um, but I would definitely probably put this above the Big Bang Theory. Um, right, so. Above that is Pride of the X-Men. Yeah. Um, my main memory of Pride of the X-Men is that it was so rushed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was two or three episodes worth of plot. Just Well, maybe two episodes worth of plot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just thrown at the camera. Is this better than that? I mean... I, I'm 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 trying to not, not to let my absolute adoration for Grandpa Monster in this push it higher than it probably deserves to go. This is fair. Um, 
I think as a, a wedge of television, it's probably better produced on the whole yeah. than than Pride of the X Men. Probably... Pride of the X Men was a rush job because of the nature of the production of it. It, it was just thrown together with the, with the last bits of a budget. Yeah, um, I'm looking at JJ Goodall and Lookwell then, and I don't think this is better than Lookwell. I'll say that right now. I would say it's about par with Lookwell. Like in 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 that in that it looked well to me could have been better, and so mm. could this. It's definitely better than um, Magnum PI featuring J J Doyle, mm. which is a backdoor pilot was just crap, and <laughs> like <laughs> um, and the worst way of introducing a female character that you want to spin up in its own series I can that I can think of is underminer every move. Yep. Um, I'd go for putting this at 11. Yeah. Um, I think Lookwell is better because it, it's a cohesive whole. True. Uh, there's just... There are great bits of Mockingbird Lane and there are bits that don't work. But Lookwell, everything works together. Yeah. The problem with Lookwell is there's nowhere really to go after that. No, and that was the, that was the entire reason why it never got a series. <laughs> Um, so I guess that Mockingbird Lane is our new number 11 because this podcast goes all the way to 11 actually it goes all the way to 36 <laughs> um, this has been another episode of Pilot Season I guess um, our Halloween episode um, totes spooky there was vampires and everything so you know our Halloween episode our Halloween adjacent episode whichever way it works out in the end has now concluded. And Alan, I'm going to reach into the mists of time and magic and uh, notepad files to pull out the name of the next show that we're going to do on pilot season. Now, Alan? Yes. So no one told you life was going to be this way. Your job's a joke. It's very true. Your job's a joke. You're broke. You love life's DOA. Why are you being so mean? Your mother warned you there be days like these. Stop, stop hurting me with the truth. But she didn't tell you that next week, Alan, we're going to watch Joey. Ha ha! We fooled you. We fooled you, listeners. You thought we were going to watch the pilot episode of Friends, but no. We're going to watch something that for some reason got like, what, two or three series? One and a half. One and a half series of the Joey sitcom. The spin-off of, of one of the most successful sitcoms of all time, featuring Matt LeBlanc as Joey Tribbiani, who goes out to L.A. to become a star. And we're watching that next. Oh, boy. It's okay. We'll get through this together. And for some reason, he gets, like, a, a, a previously unmentioned, like, nephew or something. Uh, that's for next week. Uh, this has been another episode of Pilot Season. I've been Patrick Brogan, the Unemployed Historian. You can find me at theunemployedhistorian.com, at nerdvice.com, at youtube.com, possibly. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, wherever good books are sold. <laughs> 
Also, you can find it by dialing a toll-free number, which you can get by uh, making up a number and calling it and seeing what happens, because I believe in you. You never know. And Alan Byrne, if people wanted to find you on the internet, or, well, we won't say in real life, because you don't want people to find you in real life. Um, I'm horrible in real life situations. I'm incredibly socially he's, he's, awkward. He's, he's also horrible in, in real life. He, he punches babies yeah. and, and throws kittens upstairs and then down the stairs again and up again and down again. And it, which is weird because his house doesn't have any stairs. He just, he just, he just does it in strangers' houses. Yeah, that, that's, my, that's my social awkwardness. <laughs> it, it's really awkward when I'm in social situations. It's true. We've all been there um, and seen it. But Alan... If people wanted to find you, how might they find you? Well, they could go onto Twitter, where I am at Alan Byrne, which is spelled A-L-A-N-B-E-I-R-N-E. I'm also Alan Byrne on Tumblr, or you could go to my website, albairn.com, but they ate some sort of weird cookie, uh, and it's wandered off to paint some guy's house. What the heck is it doing? It doesn't even have hands. And if you feel like answer, answering or asking me any questions or answering me questions, I don't know what I'd say, that you can go on to um, theunemployedhistorian.tumblr.com and ask me questions that I might answer in a video. Um, I might do uh, I have a few questions, which I might answer in a video in uh, November because I haven't had time to write a new video uh, the moment life's been difficult that's why alan's been editing the podcast um i'll be back next week and alan will be back next week too for more adventures in looking at television pilots and specifically joey possibly more things to do with deceased members of the ramones this has been pilot season it's the only podcast that is in memory of joey ramone even though we don't <laughs> listen to the Ramones, either of us. We just really respect him. Goodbye, Internet Land. Bye. We went to sleep many years ago. We woke up with a brand new show. We are the monsters, the monsters. We're the monsters, the monsters today. Da-dum.